Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. I am coming to you from beautiful but very hot Chesapeake, Virginia today. And I, as you'll hear me say often, I'm just grateful to you, grateful, grateful to God for you and for listening to this broadcast. And again, I've been praying for you. I had an important time of prayer for you and a time of worship, a time of prayer for the message and a time of prayer for me, because I got to make sure that my heart is right before I open up the Word of God. Well, we have been in a series now. This is part four of our series on how to walk in peace over strife. Such a vital topic for our world today, a world in absolute turmoil. And it's everywhere you go. It's not just the United States, it's all over the world. It seems like people are at each other's throats. And that's because there's no peace individually. And that is going to be the today will be the last message on this subject. And the first three weeks, rightly so, we focus on how to have the peace of God for us, for you and for me individually, because it has to start there, doesn't it? But now today, in today's message, we have to broaden, we have to stretch out and go beyond ourselves. And so today's message is going to take a bit of a different turn, but in a very important direction. And that direction, beloved, is how to walk in peace toward others and to be God's blessing to them. Now, it's easier said than done often, but I've got solutions for you. But nevertheless, it's when we, listen, it's when we live this way, putting others ahead of ourselves, beloved, that we are truly happy, truly fulfilled. And we walk in true peace, God's peace, that he is willing to give us abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. If you've missed any of this series, just go to my website and you can listen to it there, bradably.com, Brad, B-R-A-D. Abley, last name A, B as in boy, L-E-Y dot com. And just go to the audio messages. You can listen to the messages, the first three messages there. Do you want to walk in true peace, my friend? And I'm not talking about just 
once in a while, but I'm talking about as a lifestyle growing in peace, walking in the peace of God consistently. You may want to, but here's the problem. You might be a Christian, but perhaps you still carry old habits that maybe you grew up with, temper, anger, impatience. Maybe you're argumentative. Maybe you've got a short fuse. Maybe you're easily bitter toward others. And you hate that in you, but pressure brings it out. And then you get discouraged because it keeps happening and you feel stuck and you wonder, can it ever change? Can you change? And the answer is yes, you can. And it can all change, I know from personal experience. But it starts with a daily surrender to Jesus and to his word. Did you hear what I said? Daily surrender. When I put on the armor of God every morning, when I gird my loins with the truth, this is from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, one of the things I say is I quote Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And it says this, and this is a reminder to me every day. Father, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This change comes through daily surrender to Jesus and to his word, and it comes through a desire to please God and listen, bear fruit for him by becoming more like Jesus. And how does that happen? That's the focus of today's message, the last in a four-part series simply called How to Walk in Peace Over Strife. And our text today is from Galatians chapter 5 and verses 19 through 23. Of course, if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to read it. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 19 through 23. I want to say one of the most important areas in Scripture when it comes to becoming more like Jesus, when it comes to walking in God's peace, and giving that peace away to others. But my simple rule before I personally ever open the Word of God, I always pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide me. Would you join me now? Father, I bring every man, woman, young person, and child before your throne of grace, and together we ask, Holy Spirit, you are the master teacher. And we are looking to you that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us, to see, hear, and receive all that you have for us. And we ask that by the way we respond, that we would bear great fruit for the glory of the Father and of the Son, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, this letter that Paul writes to the church, the churches of Galatia, which is in the middle part, upper part of what is modern-day Turkey, were th these churches were full of strife, 
because false teachers had gone into the churches and taught legalism. They were harsh. They were boastful. They were uh, carnal-minded. Unfortunately, like so many self-promoters and arrogant Christian leaders today that are greedy for money, greedy for fame, sometimes having affairs on the side. I'm not going to paint a broad brush for the whole body of Christ, but I'm I'm weary of seeing it. Rather than men and women of God who are humble and consider others as more important than themselves, and like John the Baptist will say, he must increase, speaking of Jesus, and I must decrease. If that's not your heart and you're a preacher of the gospel, then get right with God or get out of the ministry. <laughs> I wasn't planning on saying that, but it needs to be said. And so that's why Paul says, and we're going to begin in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. That's why Paul says in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, that is, the fallen, sinful person. And he explains why in verse 17, for the flesh, that fallen nature, sets its desire, or literally lusts, against the Spirit. There's a battle going on. And the Spirit against the flesh. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't compromise. The Holy Spirit doesn't tolerate. The Holy Spirit refuses to play games with the fallen nature. It want, The Holy Spirit, it, he is a person. The Holy Spirit wants to destroy the flesh by causing us to consider ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. So the Spirit is against the flesh. Paul says, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Verse 18, but if you are led by this, and so, you know, I want to add, there's no, there's no peace there, is there? There's war. I, I'm thinking of 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 11 where Peter warns, beloved, it's a memory verse, and now I, for some reason, I can't remember. I need a little jump start. So I'm turning to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. There it is. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to, um, <laughs> I had it there, and uh, I tell you, it's a memory verse, I guess, Got other things on my mind, so now I need to read the whole thing. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, that is to this world, to abstain, there it is, from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. There's no peace in that area. Well, let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. And here's the promise, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That is, 
the false teaching of the law of the false teachers who had gotten in and said, you can only be right with God by obeying the Ten Commandments and all the Mosaic law. The law is good, but when you use it in the wrong way, it becomes, it undermines the Christian faith. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh, verse 19, are evident, and and Paul lists them. They are immorality, sexual immorality of any kind. That is sex outside of marriage, between a man and a woman. So he is referring to fornication. He's referring to adultery. He is referring to homosexuality. All sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sin. And God can deliver us from it all. Notice, for those of you who object, I'm not isolating homosexual relationships. I am including adultery and fornication and pornography and the whole thing. That is not how God has wired us, and we will be miserable anytime we live outside of the will of the Lord. You may not like it. I'm sorry, but I'm telling you the truth, and I'm telling you in love. So he says, these deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity, focusing primarily on sexual impurity. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, most likely sexual idolatry. And for example, the United States of America and most of the world worships their idolaters, sexual idolaters, taking what God meant for joy and twisting it and perverting it. Sorcery, that comes through the use of drugs. Enmities, that is hatred toward others. Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, Paul says. Now listen to this, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I get frustrated when People die and they say, rest in peace. But there's no peace for those outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no eternal life for those outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are two destinations, my friend, heaven and hell. And you may not hear this very often, but you need to hear it. I need to hear it. You know, growing up in my home, and I'm going to focus on on how to walk in peace toward others. Growing up in my home, I mentioned last week, but I think I need to mention it again, was like living in a war zone. It was hell growing up in my home. My parents weren't Christians. My dad was an intense alcoholic. He was violent verbally. Um, he, I just remember it was just mind torture. You couldn't, ar- you couldn't have a conversation with him. 
He was violent. There was no peace in our home. Only screaming, swearing, silent treatment, and strife. I know what I'm talking about. But when I became a Christian in 1981, the thing I wanted most to treat my wife, Maureen, we got married two years later, 1983, the best way possible. It often didn't happen. But why? I wanted to. I was a Christian. I was trying to please the Lord. Well, the reason is because the sin that I just mentioned, it was deeply embedded in me. We use that word embedded in technology today, don't we? But sin is embedded in us. How do you get it removed? There's only one who has the ability to remove sin, the sinless one, the Savior of the world, Jesus. Now, there's another reason that I was not treating my wife the way I wanted to, the way I should, the way I, the way I prayed. And I was short-tempered with her. I was harsh with her. I was reactive. I was defensive. And, and partly because I had no mentor. I had nobody to show me, no men how to show to me to be a godly husband. No, my father didn't. I didn't have any uncles, no older brother, no coaches, no teachers, nobody to show me how to be a godly husband. But I did have God, my father. And then within, if I recall correctly, it was within a two-week span, I think it was, five different people all shared with me that they didn't like the way that I treated Maureen. Now, I thought I treated her very well in public. <laughs> I'm laughing. It was like a conspiracy, except it wasn't. It was like they had all gotten together and compared notes and say, okay, let's go out and share this with Brad. But it wasn't, and I knew it wasn't. God was on this. He sent them to me to humble me and break me of my pride. And that's what it was. I can say it was imparted to me growing up, but still I had to own it. I couldn't blame it on my parents. That is my behavior toward Maureen. On my parents, I had to own it. Now, I, I'd like to say I prayed a one prayer and everything was different. But that's not often how God works. It took me several years. And I wrote prayers out in my prayer journal. It took me several years. Listen, my friends, many times at the point of tears, on my knees, crying out to God to set me free and becoming highly sensitive to every aspect of a manifestation of pride, which is impatience, harshness, argumentative, um, recriminations, reactionary, cold shoulder. I mean, the list was long. And I, I then became sensitive to the Holy Spirit with my attitude and my words. Lots of repentance. Lots of repentance. And the change for me was dramatic. You know, I read a statistic many years ago that it takes the average marriage 
somewhere between 9 and 15 years to hit its stride. I would say, not because of Maureen, but because of me, that it took us almost 15 years before I saw dramatic change in me. And since that time, it's extremely rare that I treat her the way I used to treat her. And if you were to ask her directly, she would say that. And she's always talking about how proud she is of me. And many times I can't understand why she would think that way, but she does. So I'm just saying not to boast in me, but to boast in the awesome power of the Word of God and the working of God the Holy Spirit in us to conform us into the image of Jesus, especially because he wants the best in us and for us. As I mentioned last week, one of the best ways to be God's blessing to others and to walk in peace is to consider others as more important than ourselves. And a prayer that I no one taught me, I don't remember ever hearing it, so I, I will humbly say, I think it's a prayer that God gave me. And I prayed it almost daily for 40 years. Father, help me to be your blessing to everyone I come into contact with, starting with Maureen. And as I said last week, is that a prayer that God wants to answer? Yes, it is. You know that's a prayer he wants to answer. And then for I would literally pray for the fruit of the Spirit to operate in my life. In fact, I, I even now I can say I don't pray over the fruit of the Spirit enough. I am almost every day asking God to help me to walk in His fruit. And here is the fruit of the Spirit. We've already looked at the, the sinful actions and characteristics of the fallen nature, but then Paul gives the hope. Paul gives the difference. Paul gives the joy. He says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit working in us to develop this fruit, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to give nine-fold fruit, is love. Now, this is agape, unconditional giving, serving, sacrificial love. It's not an emotional love. It is a choice. It is love. Again, unconditional, sacrificial, giving, serving love. Joy. Joy is independent of circumstances. Peace. There it is. Peace. Also independent of circumstances. Patience. This is the kind of patience, I like to say, that goes the extra mile, that chooses to bear with challenges and hardships and difficulties and mistreatment, trusting the Lord the whole time, surrendering to Him. I like to say being settled, surrendered, and submitted to Him. Patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Treating others with kindness the way we want to be treated. Goodness. Being good to others the way we want them to be good to us. Faithfulness. Being faithful to God 
with what he has given to us and faithful to others in the littlest of things. You see, my friends, when we're faithful in little things, Jesus said we will be faithful in greater things. Gentleness, this is the humility, which is strength under control. It's the opposite of a clutching or grabbing spirit. It doesn't mind if others get the attention. Gentleness and self-control. Self-control. Self-control in not blurting things out when we're upset. Self-control and not screaming at others when we're driving and they cut us off. Self-control when nothing seems to be going our way and we want to lash out or react. And so one of the best ways that you and I can walk in personal peace is by the way we, we treat others in relationships with them. And the best way that I know how is to pray the fruit of the Spirit and to keep it simple. And so this is how I pray the fruit of the Spirit. I just say, Holy Spirit, would you produce in me today your love? And then I define it, your unconditional, giving, serving, sacrificial love. Would you produce in me your joy, no matter what the circumstances, your peace, no matter what the circumstances, your patience, no matter how difficult things can get, your kindness. Help me to treat others with the kindness with which you treat them. Your goodness. Help me to do what is good for others like you do for me. Your faithfulness. Help me to be faithful with everything you put in my hands in word, deed, and in thought, in gentleness or humility, walking humbly before you and man and then in self-control. And then I might say, Father, help me to walk in your self-control at all times, again, in word, thought, and in deed. Now, my friends, again, you're going to hear me say this a lot. Is that a prayer God wants to answer? You see, I can walk in personal peace when I consider others as more important than myself. When I am a doer of the word and not a hearer who deludes himself. When I practice the word of God, not just talk about it, but do the word of God. Those are the ways, my friends, that simple prayer helped me to be your blessing to everybody I come into contact with. And then praying the fruit of the spirit. And when I fail, which I do and I will, then I take advantage of the marvelous gift of repentance, and I ask God my Father, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and he does, and then I continue on to grow to become more like Jesus. Now, earlier I spoke some, some frank things, and there are many that God wants to set free 
from sin's domination over your life. And if you will surrender to him, he will break the power of sin. So I want to pray for you right now. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, with the short time I have left, pray with me these words, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Live your life in me, and I will live for you and you alone and serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have heard my prayer that you have forgiven me of my sin, and that you are now my Lord and my Savior. And for others who are bound up in pornography, um, sexual immorality, fantasy, sensuality of any kind, I break in the name of Jesus the strongholds over you and ask Holy Spirit, that you would deliver people and set them free from drugs, alcoholism, and all kinds of bondage in the name of Jesus. Deliver them and set them free from this moment on forevermore in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.